We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, everybody. It is Kirk Henderson and Jeffrey Cooperstein. This evening, we are coming to you after a Mavericks win, 118 to 110 over the Chicago Bulls. How you doing tonight? Uh, I'm good. The Mavericks finally beat a bad team that they were supposed to beat, so that's nice. It is. I'm really glad that they got the W. I am unreasonably hyped. Like, when these games are within, like, five or six points the whole game, I feel like my heart rate slowly rises. And then it was it was just nice to look up from the from some of the work that I was doing to see that the Mavericks had finally extended the lead to double digits and – it's just nice to get a, get out of there with the win. So they're two and one on the on the uh, on the homestand so far. What uh, what were kind of your positive takeaways from the game? Uh, well, they started out well. This uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. Thank you for coming back. First eight points out of the gate, and they ended the quarter, the first quarter, with the six point lead. And that's something that we've been harping on for it seems like weeks now that they just haven't got out to good starts, and it's really cost them in these games that they're um, against these lesser teams that they should be beating and. So it, it was good to see that they kind of broke that trend a little bit, and then they kind of held water in the second and third. And then in the fourth, they did enough to uh, to extend and maintain their lead. And obviously, Luca was absolutely ridiculous again tonight. I don't know if there's – I mean, I'm running out of adjectives to describe him. He's, he's so freaking good. And I just think my main takeaway from tonight is that uh, they got 15 points back in Hardaway, and that's huge. We yeah. – we, we, we realized the value of Tim Hardaway and end of KP when they were gone. And it's nice to have them back and hopefully KP will be back sooner rather than later. Yeah, there, it was a, it was a fun game to watch because the Mavericks still, uh, the point that I've been kind of coming to with, with Porzingis being out and really with all these guys being out at different points is that, you know, 
individually, the Mavericks really kind of are who who we thought they were in the in the preseason and before they they played any basketball. Like they're they're probably capable of being about a 500 win team when somebody's out. But when these guys are playing together, the 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 whole is greater than the parts, and we've Absolutely. seen that we've seen that in ways. It's it's really more evident in their absence because I think there's only like 200 minutes of the. Uh, Porzingis, Luca, Hardaway, Powell, Dorian Finney-Smith lineup. Like they, they just kind of hit on that in early December, mowed down some teams. Then Luca got hurt, so it's really something to to you know. I'm just glad they got away with the win. To be quite honest with you, we're, we're kind of entering the slog of the schedule, and yeah, this is a rough month. And it the fact that if they can get through this month playing like 500 ball. Big picture, we should be happy. Uh, specifically, game to game, it's going to be kind of frustrating when they lose ones like they did the other night, which is why a bounce back game tonight was just really important. No, they hundred percent needed this game, especially with the next three. Um, they're both, they're all three of them are at home, but you have Denver coming in Wednesday night, and then you have a back to back with the Lakers and the Sixers, oh, and those God. are three of the best teams. I mean, it, it's it's a brutal three game stretch. So they absolutely needed a win tonight to get some momentum and confidence going into that three game stretch. And yeah, I mean, it was it it's good to see they they played with rhythm tonight. They shot over fifty percent. Um, it's been a while since they've done that. I don't have the exact date when the last time they did that was, and they shot thirty nine percent from three. And so when when the Mavs are shooting at those clips, it's going to be really hard to beat. Yeah, yeah. I some specific players I'd really like to focus on. I love watching Maxi Kleba play basketball nowadays. I know he, you do. You're 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 like the president of the Maxi fan club, and I'm I'm not far behind you. His the, there's a lot of of chatter on social media about him tonight. His stat line's not particularly impressive. Seven points, two boards. He he, you know, had a steal and a block, but he's just kind of you know. He's not quite big enough and strong enough to be kind of like the goon the Mavericks might need at points, but. As far as like having a backup five, I just can't imagine somebody that that's more valuable. He sets hard screens, he rolls, he's in the right place a lot. And, you know, compared to his, his kind of his front court counterpart in Dwight Powell, who had an excellent statistical game, 16.77 rebounds. You know, Powell just, it's like he's not even there on defense sometimes. Some of it's him yeah. getting hung out to dry. The rotations aren't great. These guys are bigger than him. But it's just it's weird watching Powell and and Kleba play together on defense because one of them always seems to be in the right place and the other always seems to be out of place. That's not to say, you know, I'm not I'm not on board with the Powell kind of hate that's happening right now. I understand it because in the moment the frustrations are really there, but uh, where you know you watch Powell make two crazy plays in a row, but where he just you know screws something up on defense. But it's just you know big picture the numbers say he's important and I can't I can't ignore that as much as I sometimes want to. But we're talking good things. Um, I was really delighted to see a bit of a bounce back game from both of the guards in in Wright and Brunson. Now Brunson didn't get too many minutes, but he had a big corner three. Uh, Wright really stuffed the stat sheet again for the first time in about I don't know three four games nine points six rebounds three assists a couple of blocks and a, a and and you know only one turnover which was nice that sort of stuff is is you know positive because that's where you know, you look at the the two uh, kind of collapse losses against the Thunder and against the Hornets those two guys came up extremely empty so it was just it was good to see something like that 
Yeah, and I, I think Wright's still kind of nursing that injury a little bit, and I, that's why he didn't play in the in crunch time against the Hornets and whatnot. So, yes, definitely good to see him come back. And it's also good to see Justin Jackson finally have a decent game. I mean, he was still 4 of 11 and just 1 of 6 from 3. But he finally he, he, he looked the part out there at least and didn't look completely lost. And I, I really don't know what's happened to him over the last month because he was so good in November and, and December. And, I, and he's, he's kind of lost it here the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, the unfortunate part about him is this just seems to be the kind of guy he is. He's good for three to five games. He's bad for 10 to 15. You know, the fact that he's one, he's 11 of his last 56 three-pointers is unbelievable. I mean, that's great. Like, he, 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 he started the season, I mean, what, for like the first 10 games, he was shooting 50% from three. Yeah, in November, in November, he shot something like 46% from the from three-point range. So it's, you know... It, I think he's a guy who gets more comfortable with more minutes and that's never going to be his role with the Mavericks. So he has yeah, to find I mean, a way to he's make going to be a bench guy. Mm-hmm. He has to find a way to make an impact. His floater game is nice. So that's something um, I really, you know, one of the most outstanding stats I've seen this year was, uh, do you know who is third in the league in three point offensive rebounding? Uh, it's got to be Dorian, right? It is. It is Dorian Finney-Smith behind Andre Drummond, who is second, and Clint Capella, who is first. That is a I crazy mean, that, that, stat. That Finney-Smith has always been a good rebounder, going back to his college days at Florida. I mean, he was. He's always been a good rebounder, and he's made his trade in the NBA as a fantastic offensive rebounder. I mean, he gets the Mavs a lot of second chance opportunities, and that's why he plays so many minutes. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, he besides his defense and his much improved three point shot, he he somehow just has a knack for finding the ball when it bounces off the rim, and and that's a very valuable skill to have in the league. Yeah, and he's the he he's really made a believer out of me through thirty five games. You know. I, with the volume that he's shooting, if he were to have a little bit of a shooting regression, it wouldn't matter that much uh, just because he, it's not like he's out there chunking 10 threes a game. He shoots, you know, about three, he shoots about four on average. So, you know, I, I just, I'm pleased. I I just, I couldn't be more pleased with the way he's played even throughout some of these struggle bus games, because he does a lot of the little things that the Mavericks need. And, you know, with, they play, they play such a, I don't want to call it a finesse offense because that's, that's not really accurate, but they play this offense that is so different compared to, you know, long, what longtime basketball fans have seen. Finney Smith is the guy doing the dirty work. That's like been reserved for kind of post players in the past. So right. it, it's, it's really, he's, he's such a valuable player. And, and I don't, you know, I just can't get over the fact that him and Maxi are on these like absolute steals of contracts. I, I, I think finesse is kind of an accurate term because, it really isn't that physical where you have the big guys super involved and just going down there on the post and, and just banging bodies the whole time. I mean, it, 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 I, finesse is kind of used as a negative connotation, right. but I think right. it's kind of the, I think it's kind of the proper adjective to use it, but in the most uh, glamoring way possible. What about, I mean, you're more of a football guy than me. This kind of feels like a Cliff Kingsbury offense where it's just like you're spread everywhere. Yeah. And you know so, what? Is that kind of what it's I, like, I, I guess? Is that a good comparison? I, I think that's a very good comparison. I mean, Kingsbury always throws for a ton of yards. They score a ton of points. His team's just never played any defense. The Mavs kind of <laughs> Which, played some defense, so. 
which that's a great opportunity to pivot to what the pro like i think we do need to talk about like the unbelievable elephant in the room of the mavericks defense against the chicago bulls it was awful they were bad tonight on defense and look i don't i don't think this is a bad defensive team but they i mean the the bulls look like an elite offensive team which they just aren't i mean zach levine's having a great year but when you, I mean, you have guys like Kobe White who are doing things, Thomas Sadoransky, who I actually like, had had a good night. And I mean, when you you just you have guys like Daniel Gafford getting 13, it it wasn't right. a good night for them offensively. The bull the bull shot 47 percent, and the Mavs they need to do better against bad teams. Yes, they're going to be able to outscore most of these teams, but they need to you need to hold a team to the, a team like the Bulls to about 100. Well, and it's good that they won because, you know, there's... And that's granted, all that matters tonight is that they won. <laughs> that, is, that is all that matters. But I do think it's worth saying out loud in the sense that, you know, even though none of us fans get a vote, and I, I just can't emphasize that enough because I think sometimes we get really ticked off when we're talking to each other about, like, trade options. Uh, we don't get a vote in this, but this was the kind of game where the, you know, the people who are fed up with the Mavericks not having kind of a low post banger, it, it's very evident. I mean, the Bulls got 17 offensive rebounds. The fact that the Mavericks lost the I rebounding battle that. and still won was kind of crazy. Uh, the, they lost the rebounding battle. They they turned the ball over more. They played pretty atrocious defense, and they escaped with a win anyways. Uh, I mean, that's it's kind of a big deal for that, but... I think they had like the Bulls had something like uh, paints points in the seventies, and you just can't that that's not sustainable. I, I mean, it, it's really evident well, in the I fact saw, that that Porzingis needs to be back in soon. That's exactly what I was about to say. I saw Bobby Corrales tweet where the uh, the the Bulls had the Bulls had eleven dunks tonight. Eleven. <laughs> they had twenty two points off dunks. I mean, that's mm. unacceptable. And that's where that's where KP comes in and helps because he'll get you those two blocks of games, and that automatically goes down at least four points. If, I mean, if you just do the simple math on that, it, it tells you that they need KP not only on offense, but protecting the rim as well. Yeah, yeah, I was. It's interesting. I have one of our one of our loyal listeners. He kind of always asks me, says, you know, you guys need to talk about Luca's defense more. And I tend not to just because this is, you know, 20 minute podcast. I want to get in and out. I also feel hard like like uh, also don't really like picking on Luca because I don't think the defense is going to come around for a couple of years. He needs to be in better cardiovascular shape, frankly, because he still looks tired Absolutely. out there at some point. And that's just, that's going to take years. I, I don't think that people necessarily understand what we mean by that, but it, it took James Harden until he was like 28 to really figure out how to get in shape. But tonight was a game where I thought Luca played harder on defense which was just a complete reversal compared to the rest of the team who just kind of you know let guys get to the rim i don't understand what dallas is doing on some of their closeouts like they have guys that get beat off of like one dribble or you know and they do this this drop coverage on the pick and roll which is fairly standard i think in in the nba these days but they it just lets guards go downhill at them and then they're all caught off guard because they're, you know, they're just not, I don't know. They don't have that guy when KP's not there to really mix it up. It's very confusing. Well, ever since you pointed this out earlier in the year, this is my biggest thing on their defense. They are so bad at transition defense. It is remarkable to me. They always get mismatched after a missed basket. I don't know how that's possible. Even if it's not on a fast break, 
Dwight Powell ends up on Chris Dunn, and you have Luca ending up on Wendell Carter. I, like, I don't understand how that happens so often. I don't know if that's something that they've been working on or if it's something where they're just they're trying to pick up the closest man to avoid the fast break. But then when they do that, they just they get so mismatched, and it, it leads to an easy bucket for the other team. I think that's something that they really need to take a look at. So I, I have an answer for you. It was actually Josh who pointed that out, and I never would have noticed it because as much as I used to love defense back in the day, now I don't even pay attention to it. But I will tell Josh. you what I, I, figured, I figured out what they do. What they do is they send almost one – they send one player just about every time at the offensive boards. And depending on who it is – that often it, that often completely screws up uh, the transition stuff, and that's apparently this is by design that they want to send somebody at the offensive glass. Like you'll see Delon Wright do it a lot, where he'll kind of swoop in behind and try to get a steal or something, and then that just basically puts the whole defense on a little bit of a, a cascade where they're not able to, or they end up on the wrong guys and they get punished. I I under, I guess I understand. I mean, the Mavericks are winning games, so. Big picture, they're doing something right. But, like, moment to moment, sometimes it feels very weird. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's something I've noticed over the past couple of games. That I guess, and Josh, I'll, I'll give credit to Josh on it because he's the one that said it, that I've been kind of looking for. And I guess I never really noticed that they were all they always had a guy crashing. Um, but I guess that makes sense since Finney Smith is so good on the offensive boards. They probably want him involved or, or at least want one guy involved on the offensive glass trying to get a rebound. Yeah, yeah. Well, this was this was a fun bounce back game, and I am you know looking forward to this this three game stretch against good teams. You're going to be at the games uh, working, so uh, you know you might be able next time you pop on here, you might have some good tidbits for us. Um, do you have anything Absolutely. else before we close out of here? Um, well, let's just look at the Denver game here, where uh, Jokic had a career high 47, and Will Barton had 28, and they beat the Hawks. 123 to 115 so the nuggets are coming in off one of their better games of the season with Jokic. so uh the Mavs will have a real fun with that i'm looking forward to that game a lot because that first denver game was one of the ugliest wins i've ever seen for the mavericks so yeah, i remember that one whew, ugly one so all right guys this has been Kirk and Jeff coming to you after the Mavs uh, victory over the Chicago Bulls. We will, uh, we have a couple of more podcasts coming to you this week. I'm hoping to get together with one of my Denver Nuggets friends tomorrow and have something for you before the game. We have a super secret surprise podcast that I don't want to spoil, but I will hype up. That's going to come on Thursday. We have an unbelievable guest joining the uh, Mavs Moneyball Airwaves. So look forward to that. Uh, and if you don't know who it is, Coop, I will tell you off the air. All right, guys, this okay. has been Kirk, Kirk and Coop. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you out there. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.